Welcome, Welcome back into the Chris Mathis Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Mathis, alongside my co-host, Spencer Mathis. Uh, back here with you guys. We've implemented some video. We're going to be posting some uh, video clips to our Twitter page, TCM underscore pod. So go check that out right now or our our Instagram page as well, TCM underscore pod. Uh, but a lot to talk about in today's episode, starting off with Devontae Adams, Sam Darnold to mention a few, the referee issue oh, yeah. uh, in regards to a taunting penalty that was... Uh, it was a bit of a weird call, but I agree with the ref. You got to call that. Uh, we're going to talk about our error. Am I wrong? The whole nine yards right here on the Chris Mathis podcast. But let's start it off with OBJ, who's really made uh, this all about him this season, trying to get out of Cleveland. As soon as he gets out of Cleveland, Baker Mayfield and the Browns look five times better. They're able to move the ball down the field uh, and blow out their opponent. But OBJ is still on the move, and Devontae Adams is trying to uh, get a ploy and try to bring him into Green Bay. Yeah, Devontae Adams already uh, showing his sales pitch for OBJ. He said uh, in 2019, now let's make that face mask green, OBJ. And that is alluding to one of OBJ's off-the-field rumors that came out last season where he openly admitted that he liked to be... uh, Well, we're not going to say that here, but it had to do with green. And uh, Devontae Adams, I think, was openly mocking him. But Devontae Adams and OBJ on the same team would be absolutely insane with Aaron Rodgers throwing the football. And... I mean, OBJ is going to sign with whatever quarterback he likes the most because he is already being paid by the Cleveland Browns. So there's really no need for him to chase the bag this season. He's He can chase a ring this season, and then next year he can chase some money. Uh, so I think OBJ is going to just pick the best quarterback, the, the team that has the best chance at winning a Super Bowl, and I think that's the move, and I think it's going to be the Green Bay Packers. Uh, we'll see about it. Uh, like uh, Dr. Jacob Sturton had said, that they usually don't take a uh, big-time bang in a free agency move, especially midway through the season. He can only recall two times that yeah. uh, he's seen that happen. So we'll see how things play out, uh, but that would be very dangerous. Yeah, because they needed a receiver last year, and they they didn't do it at the deadline. So that eventually ended up hurting them pretty badly. They also needed a cornerback, didn't get one of those. They were in on Stephon Gilmore this season. Obviously didn't sign him either. I mean, the Packers are stingy with their money, but they've got a lot of it, and they really don't have to pay OBJ any of it. He's gonna he can sign for the vet minimum and double dip. He'll get paid by the Browns and the Packers. So it's really not about the money with OBJ this year. One place that we know OBJ is definitely not going, and it has to do with the quarterback situation. Carolinas. I don't know of anybody that wants to play for Sam Darnold, uh, but fortunately, I guess in a sense for the Carolina Panther fans, he's struggled a lot. He's not playing this week. Hopefully he feels better and gets better in terms of health and whatnot, but he has been playing awfully through three interception and Sunday's loss to the uh, New England Patriots, in which they got blown out 24-6. to Sam Darnold uh, has a pretty bad injury. He's out for several weeks. Yeah, good news for the Panthers. Sam Darnold has an incomplete fracture. He's out four to six weeks, so they have a chance to win in one of these weeks. Weeks. I mean, he's had an awful season since their 3-0 start. I mean, they didn't play anybody good in the first three games. You could tell that they weren't really a contender. And Sam Darnold out four to six weeks, so Carolina may even go out there and sign a quarterback. Uh, a reporter asked Matt Rule today if they were interested in uh, Cam Newton, and he didn't dispel the rumor. So I think Cam Newton back to Carolina could be something to look out for if you're the Carolina Panthers because Sam Darnold is not it, but they already picked up his second year option, which was $20 million for next season. So it seems like they're stuck with him for now, but 
they're going to have to sign a quarterback for these four to six weeks because XFL quarterback P.J. Walker is not the move. Yeah, not at all. He did have a great XFL short-lived career in which he dominated, but he is not an NFL quarterback. And uh, Sam Darnold isn't an NFL quarterback either. After a great 3-0 start for the Carolina Panthers, he's really fallen off the wagon wheels per se, and they've just fallen apart there in Carolina after yeah. a 3-0 start. Uh, Big-time Carolina fan Stephen Piero off the bandwagon with uh, Sam Darnold. He's hitting the panic button. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Yeah, Sam Darnold got a, an unwarranted second opportunity in the NFL to prove himself. I mean, I think the only reason he got such a good opportunity with Carolina is the Panthers were looking at the Ryan Tannehill situation who was under Gase and got out of there and succeeded, and they hoped the same thing would happen with Darnold. And after they started 3-0, and they just automatically gave him his second-year option, even though there were 15 other games he had to play, 14 other games he had to play for the rest of the season. Just a, a bad decision for Carolina. Now they're stuck with him, and they're going to be seeing ghosts even outside of October. Yeah, without question. And also, another quarterback thing that we need to bring up, have to talk about it. We talked about it last week a little bit, and now we have some more information regarding Green Bay Packer legend, uh, arguably a top two, top three quarterback in the NFL right now, Aaron Rodgers, who did not play as he had COVID-19. He's on a 10-day spell where he can't come back to the facility and whatnot, uh, but he did kind of allude to elaboration on what he said last week and say, or whenever a reporter asked him, hey, are you vaccinated? He said, yeah, I'm immunized. I think that's what he said word for word, uh, which did not answer the question about the vaccination. And he kind of played cards there in his favor, played as a joker, if you will. And uh, I'm not going to say he lied, but he definitely... He, He lied about that. He was not immunized. He openly lied right there, but... You go ahead with what you think about the situation, and then I'll counterattack with with my uh, thoughts on Aaron Rodgers' vaccination status. Yeah, well, I think that he obviously lied to the reporter. I think that what he did was was wrong. I I hear that you know some some guys in the locker room or maybe even the entire team knew the whole stipulation. But either way, he broke COVID protocol by the NFL. And let's be real here: if Tom Brady were to do that, he's going to be suspended. He's going to be fined more than $14,000, which is pocket change. I saw a tweet earlier today, and it showed Aaron Rodgers at a grocery store pulling uh, a couple of hundred dollars, a wad of $100 bills out of his shirt pocket and said, hey, can you break $100 bills? Because that's basically what $14,000 is to a $100 million quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. So I'm not sure that the uh, prosecution, if you will, the punishment for Aaron Rodgers lying to the reporter is is supplemental because there was a guy, Jarvis Landry, had his jersey untucked in Sunday's game. He got fined $20,000. So you're talking about just a aesthetic look in regards to players on the football field, jerseys untucked, $20,000 fine when somebody breaks a health regulation, COVID-19 vaccination protocol, and he he's only fined $14,000, no suspension. Yep. And uh, Vanda Scantling was also fined. Was that a related... Yeah, MVS. Yeah. He also was... What? No, uh, I, don't, I don't think it was... I think it was Adam Lazard. Oh, that's right. Who got and he was also... Why was he uh, fined? Uh, he also got COVID. I don't think he's vaccinated either. Okay, so he must have made some comments then yeah. that uh, Aaron Rodgers was right or whatnot. But either way, Aaron Rodgers not right in my book. And again, just to put it in perspective, uh, I think that he is a bit of a crybaby. People complain about Tom Brady, you know, crybabying about 17 games in the NFL this season, this and that. But this guy is trying to bring all the attention to Green Bay. And I totally disagree with what Aaron Rodgers has done there with the Green Bay Packers. And uh, I love Joe Rogan. 
I think that he's a great guy, a lot of motivational stuff, uh, very inspirational guy too, he's had a great career, and I look up to Joe Rogan in terms of podcast, in terms of how he carries himself, but he is by no means a doctor, and he gave some doctoral advice to Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packer quarterback, uh, but anyway, either way, Aaron Rodgers is in the wrong in this situation. Well, through my point of view, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is in the wrong. Uh, the Packers had to have known that Rodgers was unvaccinated. It's a report that they have to send out to the NFL. So the NFL, Rodgers, the Packers all knew that Rodgers was going to be unvaccinated for this season. And the only reason that this is a big deal is because he got COVID and missed one game. A big game against the Chiefs, but they didn't have to win it because it wasn't an NFC-NFC game. So I think that this whole situation is blown way out of proportion. Aaron Rodgers, he did lie to the reporter, but I don't think he was in the wrong because it's an NFL player. I mean, there's no long-term studies on how the vaccine's going to affect somebody, and he he just didn't get the vaccine. I don't. I mean, if everyone else around him is vaccinated, I don't I don't see how this could affect other people in the Packers organization. So, yeah, yeah, I'm not disagreeing know. with the fact that he has his own right to uh, not get vaccinated. I have no issue with that. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. I have an issue with him lying to the reporter. And if every player did not know, I think it was wrong because there's got to be other players across the National Football League that have wanted to do that, but they didn't feel like they had that stage, that pedestal, like an NFL quarterback like Aaron Rodgers has in order to say, hey, I'm not going to get in trouble no matter what. I might get a $14,000 fine. I don't know about that because Cole Beasley, I mean, he was the first openly unvaccinated player in the NFL going into this season, and he's having a great season with Buffalo. I think he's he has more receiving yards right now than Stephon Diggs. He's having a better fantasy season. He's having a better overall season than Stephon Diggs with the Bills, so I just I think that it really doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or not. The only reason that this is a big deal is because Rodgers missed a game because of it. Yeah, and obviously they need him back immediately because uh, Green Bay is uh, struggling right now with Jordan Love at quarterback. We'll get more into that. And I know Paul McBride is disappointed in myself right now with my hot take of last week. Uh, and Me we'll, too. We'll, yeah. yeah, I think we all are. I think we all are. But uh, here's a situation in which brought a lot of attention to social media. It has to do with a referee and a player for the Chicago Bears, a linebacker, I believe. Uh, I'm going to forget his name. He looked like a guy Cassius from... Cassius Marsh. Cassius Marsh. He looked like the guy from Narnia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dressed in a you know a shirt coat or a sheer coat, I guess you could say, with some fur, whatnot, the whole nine yards. Looks like he's a, a billion-dollar football player. And he's not, but I respect it. Do you? Either way, uh, they're late in the game. Uh, he was penalized for taunting. And I'm going to go ahead and say it. I know I'm going to take off a lot of people for this take, but I'm not, I don't like the call, but I think it's the call to make. If I'm that official and I'm looking at that angle, I'm making that call. And for those of you at home that have no idea what I'm talking about, here's the call. And uh, I'm going to play this quick clip for you guys. Here's Cassius Marsh over on the sidelines talking to his uh, defensive coordinator following a 15-yard penalty with 3.16 left in the game. They're down by three. As you can see, this is a very critical time in the football game. He looks shocked, and we're going to rewind it here uh, as to what this exact call was. Here we go. As he looks over to the Pittsburgh Steelers sideline, the punter just coincidentally walks over in his direction. Cassius Marsh is already taunting so-called taunting the sideline and, and the Pittsburgh Steeler guy 
uh, automatically the punter automatically looks his way and the official had the wrong angle on that situation and says hey you know what that's a 15 yard penalty but to throw his flag he pokes out hip checks Cassius Marsh and then throws the flag which yeah I disagree with that. I think that the call was right. If I was in that official's shoes, I know a couple of guys, uh, a couple of referees that I know, Ryan Norton, Greg Norton, they would have made the same call just because where their hat was pointed and where their angle was on Cassius Marsh, it looked as if he was taunting there. Uh, So I don't have an issue with the call. I think that it was wrong that he hip-checked Cassius Marsh, uh, but I know I'm obviously one out of the box here. A lot of people are disagreeing and coming at me, and I'm sure that you're one of those guys. Yeah, I think the penalty... Just the whole taunting situation this year in general is just stupid. It, it, there's no reason that an NFL player who gets paid millions of dollars to make a big play, when they make a big play, they celebrate. There should be no reason that they're getting in trouble for that. I mean, it's costing their team for absolutely no reason. I don't I don't think you should be able to take taunting out of the game. I mean, it brings emotion into the game. It makes the game more fun to watch as a fan. Probably makes the game uh, more fun to play as a player. So I just don't see why... In the first place, this is even a penalty, let alone this one right here where the referee said that the only reason he called the penalty is because he looked over there and it looked like he was taunting. He said he didn't even get a good angle on it. So I just, I don't understand how you can call something here. I mean, it actually affected the game. This was in the fourth quarter. So, and then the hip check as well. I just, I just think that the penalty as a whole, the whole taunting penalty is stupid unless you are like actively celebrating over someone that you just knocked out. That's the only time I think taunting should be called. Yeah, I would agree. But again, I'm just stating the point that if I'm that official and it looks as if from my angle that that's a penalty, I'm, I'm going to throw the flag. I just think it's... I, I don't know. I just I think that it's just a stupid penalty. I don't think the flag should be... I don't even think that should be an option for a referee to throw a no, flag. No, I would agree with that. But I'm going off the NFL rule book. Yeah, but you, you see players taunt all the time and they don't throw the flag. It's It depends on who the referee wants to have the momentum in the game. It seems like these calls are being made whenever teams need free first downs. And in this situation, they needed a first down, so they called the flag on Marsh. Yeah, who were they playing in that game? Chicago against... Uh, the Steelers. The Steelers, that's right. Yeah. And that's the Steelers right. won by one point. Yeah, it did come down. 29-27. It came down to that, so... yeah. Again, I'm just saying, simply saying, if I'm that referee, in terms of rule book, in terms of my job description, I am definitely throwing that flag. But uh, obviously, you disagree, and that's okay. That's what makes a podcast a podcast. Now, one thing we can all agree on is that I was wrong last week in my quarterback prediction of Jordan Love stepping in for the Green Bay Packers in the absence of Aaron Rodgers and uh, doing his thing. Uh, Jordan Love, I stated in the podcast last week, 250 pass yards or more, three total touchdowns, and he would be dominant in a victory on the road against Kansas City. However, I was wrong. 190 pass yards uh, for Jordan Love. One touchdown, one pick. And obviously, I, I did my research and I watched the game. And I thought that he looked very inconsistent with the pocket. Well, I should say consistently inconsistent in the pocket. Yeah. The one thing that Jordan Love consistently did was not plant his feet. He was under pressure the whole night, not giving him any excuses, but... I do think that uh, when you're when you're first coming into the NFL and you have them blitzing on what was it 55 percent of the defensive yeah. snaps, yeah. Kansas City, a terrible defense, arguably uh, 31st ranked defense in the league, blitzing you from all angles at all times does get in your head, and then you're missing uh, a couple of your big time receivers. MSV was out. Uh, who else? Uh, Lazard was out, I believe. Yeah. Devontae Adams was there, but I thought that uh, Jordan Love just looked 
pretty bad, and he did have one good drive. Now, get this. He had one great drive in the fourth quarter once he started to feel confident, and uh, he went 7 for 7, 49 pass yards. They show the statistic, the graphic up on the scoreboard, up on the TV screen, and uh, he throws an interception right away inside the red zone. So, was I wrong? Yes, Paul McBride, I was wrong. Your hot take saying that I would be right was wrong, and uh, that's now 0 for 5 for me on hot takes. Now, my hot take for this week, I think that Atlanta beats. Are we not going into the hot takes just yet? Not yet. Not yet. Okay, we're going to wait. Spence, who was your hot take last week? And uh, dabble into that a little bit more. Well, first, I want to talk about Jordan Love. I think he looks super nervous out there. I mean, it's warranted he was in Kansas City in Arrowhead Arrowhead Stadium against the Chiefs. It was a difficult environment for his first start. Uh, I just... I think that he just looked way too nervous. Like you said, he wouldn't set his feet before he started to get blitzed. The game didn't start with him getting blitzed the entire time. Once they saw that he couldn't handle the pressure, they blitzed in half of their defensive plays, the Chiefs did. So, I mean, he just didn't handle the blitz well, and that's ultimately what lost him the game. He couldn't, he could not make reads fast enough, and the play calling really wasn't there as well. He was getting blitzed, and they threw a couple of streaks to Devontae Adams where he has to turn around to make the play. It's got to be a comeback route. Instead, Love's throwing a streak to either Devontae Adams or, or a tight end. So I think the play calling was bad. His play was bad. In general, the Chiefs would have lost that game if Rodgers was starting. So that's another storyline to go off of that one. But I just think that Jordan Love didn't play well and your hot take was a bit off. Yeah, I'm swinging for the fences now. 0 for 5 here on the Chris Mathis Podcast. I'm the freaking host of this show, and I'm 0 for 5 on my hot takes. And realistically, other than the Jordan Love hot take, I think that mine have all been more realistic than yours have. Yeah, that one was close. My hot take this week, or the prior week, was that the Jaguars were going to beat the Bills, and they absolutely did. They won 6-9. to I'm not going to say 9-6. to They won 6-9 to against the Bills. Uh, Urban Meyer, his first win on U.S. soil, so... I mean, this is a big win for the Jaguars. Maybe they can continue to build on some stuff. You know Urban Meyer had a lot of uh, enjoyment after his victory at a bar or wherever he went after the game with his players. Probably Trevor Lawrence went with him, maybe. I don't know. But I think Urban Meyer is going to build a lot of momentum off of this game with the Jaguars. Their offense absolutely sucked. But Josh Allen was the better Josh Allen in the Josh Allen versus Josh Allen matchup. And the defensive end Josh Allen for the Jaguars won the matchup against the Bills quarterback, Josh Allen. He had three uh, big-time plays against Josh Allen. He had a sack, a fumble recovery, and an interception. And they ended up winning because of their defense. And Josh Allen recently has not been playing well at all. And the AFC is looking pretty weak as a division in itself with the Chiefs and the Bills not looking that good. I would say the best team in the AFC right now is either the Ravens or the Titans. But my prediction going back to it was that the Jaguars would beat the would beat the Bills for Urban Meyer's first U.S. win, and I was correct. Yeah, you were. And kind of going into a little bit more of that Josh Allen matchup, that's the first time in NFL history that a player with the same name as the opposing quarterback recorded a, sta- a sack. That is an awesome stat, too. But he recorded a sack, as you said, a sack, a fumble recovery, and an interception for yeah. the Jaguars Defensive end, number 41, Josh Allen against the Bills quarterback, uh, Josh Allen. So, pretty awesome. I would have to say Josh Allen won the matchup. 
Yeah, without question. Yeah. I think Josh, and, and I think that there could be a debate either way, but at the end of the day, you do know that Josh Allen, Josh Allen definitely won, won the, the matchup against Josh Allen. It was like yeah. that Twitter meme where you see the five different Spider-Mans. Yeah, and they're all pointing at each other. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's exactly what we saw. So I was wrong once again. We're going to hang on to the hot takes for just a moment, so bear with us here on the Chris Mathis podcast. Glad to have you guys tuned in. But let's talk player of the week, and I think this was pretty obvious for me, a guy that left the Pittsburgh Steelers a few years ago. He's a running back. His name is uh, James Conner phenomenal game on Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers he plays for the Cardinals now he went 21 rushes 96 yards two touchdowns and then on top of that five receptions almost 80 yards and a touchdown in their 31 to 17 victory over the San Francisco 49ers at home with Colt McCoy at quarterback James Conner stepped up and he is my player of the week right here on the podcast and I don't think there's any argument that he should be a top three candidate but Spence who do you have and why well I was stuck between either Matt Ryan or Jonathan Taylor and I ultimately went with Matt Ryan because the Colts of course played the Jets who are not as good of a team as the Saints are who the Falcons defeated with Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan went 23 for 30, 343 yards, two touchdowns, and a 135.8 QB rating. Uh, He also led the team in average rush yards. So, I mean, Matt Ryan absolutely carried the Falcons to that win. Youngway Koo with his third game-winning kick of the season in walk-off fashion. And the Falcons have four wins, sitting at four and four. I would not have expected that this or uh, halfway through the season, especially against a team like the Saints, who are just their top defense in the league, and Matt Ryan hung 29 on their heads. They did blow an 18-point lead, but they ended up winning with uh, Cordero Patterson burning Marshawn Lattimore down the seams, uh, down the sidelines for like a 35-yard gain in the fourth quarter to set up the Youngway Koo field goal. So Matt Ryan is my player of the week because he defeated a top-five defense in the Saints. Yeah, I think that Matt Ryan uh, showed himself. I know that we got in a little bit of a Twitter beef, or you did, with the Pew Brothers earlier last week. But at the end of the day, you're giving Matt Ryan credit right here on the Chris Mathis podcast. So they need to give some Tom Brady love here and there. Yeah, the reason the reason I, I had some kind of beef with the Pews is because Matt Ryan had it fourth and inches near midfield, and they run a halfback dive to Cordero Patterson. Uh, I mean... Your running back's line six yards behind the line of scrimmage, and you don't QB sneak it. So I tweeted out that Matt Ryan plays like a 42-year-old man, and that was true at the moment. Then he became a 42-year-old Tom Brady and put up 340 yards, 340 total yards, uh, two touchdowns, and a victory against a great team in the Saints. Now, a big game that we really focused on this weekend, uh, of course, that being an upset. We had several up- upsets across the league, bit of a shocker, uh, but this is by far... One that, you know, we need to talk about. And I think that there's one bright spot. We're talking about our rookie of the week. There was one bright spot from this game, uh, other than the fact that Denver won. Denver at Dallas. Denver won by a score of, what was it, 30 to 16 or 17, I believe. Either way, Denver pulled off a shocker in Dallas. Uh, and Micah Parsons, the rookie linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys, he was the lone bright spot other than garbage time minutes and, and yards and touchdowns from Dak Prescott. Micah Parsons, 10 total tackles, three tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, and that loss to Denver. And for that, you are my rookie of the week, Micah Parsons, right here on the Chris Mathis podcast. And I think that uh, anybody that cares about defense would agree with me. And if you don't recognize Micah Parsons, uh, then you don't really know football. Easy as that. Well, I guess I don't know fucking football, Chris, because the Broncos 
destroyed the Cowboys the entire game, and the Broncos ended up beating the Cowboys, so I don't care about Micah Parsons' performance. But on a more serious note, my player of the week this week was Devontae Smith. He went 5 for 116 in a touchdown with a noodle arm second-year quarterback, Jalen Hurts. I mean, if he was drafted by a better team, I think Devontae Smith would be up there for Rookie of the Year candidate. Instead, he's stuck in maybe top 10 for Rookie of the Year candidate. He's a very talented receiver. We knew that coming out of college. His only issue was his size. And so far, it really has proven to not be a big factor in his gameplay. And he's having a great season so far. 116 yards versus the Chargers secondary. And Devontae Smith is my Rookie of the Week, even though they lost as well. So... Two Rookie of the Weeks, both on losing teams. That's something I traditionally do not uh, pick. I try to avoid that. I usually go off a team that won. But in this case, the two best rookies in the NFL, they were on losing teams, and they definitely took advantage of their opportunities to shine, even in the darkest of places, one might say. Uh, But each and every week, one of our favorite segments, the Shankarooski segment brought to you by Drippin' Ice. That's Drippin' Ice without the G. And uh, we'll give you a quick preview here of this awesome website. So check this out. Drip and I is releasing a hoodie this Sunday, November 14th at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, November 14th at 6 p.m. Go check them out. They've got awesome stuff. Crewnex, JM9 collection, for example. It's as easy as searching thedrippinice.com as they bring you guys our Shankarooski segment right here on the Chris Mathis podcast. And uh, they're going to have us some gear here in the coming weeks. With that being said, uh, I think that we have to acknowledge how many kicks were missed throughout the NFL this weekend. A total of nine field goals were missed, four extra points, which is unreal. We continue to see at least six and and three and six and four, and we see a total of 13 this week. Uh, Browns at Bengals. McLaughlin, the kicker for the Browns, missed a field goal. Broncos at the Cowboys, uh, Denver's McManus missed a field goal and an extra point. You got the double uh, downer, if you will. Raiders at Giants, kicker Daniel Carlson for the Raiders missed a field goal. And then you look at the Patriots and Panthers, uh, Pats kicker Nick Folk missed a field goal. He was on a bit of a streak, too. Finally missed a field goal in their dominant win over the Panthers. Bills at Jaguars. Jaguars kicker, even though he basically won in the game, 9-6, he missed a field goal as well. Chargers at Eagles. Chargers kicker Dustin Hopp, some might call him D-Hop 2.0, missed an extra point. Packers at Chiefs. Green Bay's kicker Mason Crosby goes home with the Shankarooski title of the week. He missed two field goals this week, and uh, his age is starting to show up. And obviously, Tom Brady, not his teammate. It's Aaron Rodgers, the uh, wannabe Tom Brady that wears number 12. But he needs to somehow get hooked up with Tom Brady's TB12 method. And uh, maybe his right leg would still be of relevance. Bears at Steelers, Chicago's Cairo Santos missed a field goal. Pittsburgh's Boswell missed an extra point over the weekend. So a total of 13 missed kicks. And I think that your initial argument in episode one, Inception, of the Chris Mathis podcast, uh, you said that there's something up with the footballs, and that continues to show and show that there's truth to that behind your uh, guess in the dark, if you will. And I think you're right. Yeah, Jaguars kicker Matthew Wright missed three field goals in a row. Only one of them ended up counting in the stat sheet, but three missed field goals in a row. Pat McAfee tweeted out, is my TV glitching out or what? Or did this guy really just miss three field goals in a row from within 40-something yards? I mean, Matthew Wright ended up scoring all nine points for the Jaguars, so there's a plus. He only gets credited with one missed field goal uh, in the game, but three in a row 
not looking good for Matthew Wright. And the Jaguars, they do pull out the W with Urban Meyer as the head coach. Took him 60 minutes, but of course they pull out the W for the second time this season. Yeah, and that's his first win on U.S. soil. Yeah. Urban Meyer. So yeah. I know you're so happy for, for Urban. I am. we got to get you an Urban Meyer t-shirt. I want a hat. If anybody's out there is listening, you're a Jaguars fan or just an Urban Meyer fan, please uh, reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram, TCM underscore pod, the Chris Mathis underscore pod. Uh, please do so. Hook my brother Spencer up, the co-host that makes this show go around. Please. Now, uh, To the Moon is really something that's picked up on. And last week I said my To the Moon fantasy pickup player of the week was Packers quarterback Jordan Love. And again, he definitely underperformed. I think he had... A total of, uh, what, 11 fantasy points, projected 17, 190 pass yards, one touchdown, one interception, and was a subpar quarterback. And a fumble. Uh, So, for the first time this year, I'm going to own up to this. Another am I wrong, if you will. I was wrong with my uh, To the Moon Pickup Player of the Week, but this week I am not. I'm telling you guys to pick up Cole Beasley, the Bills wide receiver, uh, who's going to have a big-time week. He's been consistent throughout this year. He's ranked 32nd among wide receivers, coming off of an 11-point fantasy week against the Jaguars in their 9-6 loss. He takes on the Jets. He's projected 13 points this week. He's rostered in 80% of the leagues, went up 2% this week. Go get him. Uh, Cole Beasley, even if you guys are anti-vaxxers or in favor of vaccination, just rule that out. We're talking football here. Go pick up Bill's wide receiver, Cole Beasley. He's going to have a good week. He's only started in 52% of the sleeper fantasy leagues. I picked him up, and he's starting for me this week against the terrible New York Jets. Yeah, I like that choice of the uh, anti-vax Avenger. I think he's a great player to pick up for your fantasy team this week. He has outshined Stephon Diggs all season long. So the anti-vaxxer, it's a a shame that he's not a free agent and the Packers could sign him with Rodgers, but... I think he's a great pickup this week. Last week, my pickup for you guys was Hunter Renfro. Ended up scoring 17 fantasy points in most leagues. Uh, another great decision by me, of course. So if you are listening in, you might want to just take my advice every single week. I haven't been wrong yet. So this week, I'm going for more of hey, a, wait, of have a you long really, play. You sure you haven't no. since week one? No. This week, I'm going with more of like a long play. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that you should trade for OBJ. And the reason for this is he's either going to the Packers or the Chiefs. I think he's going to rule out the Saints. I mean, Taysom Hill at quarterback or Trevor Simeon, I I don't think those options are even half as good as Baker Mayfield was, and that was his problem. So I've got OBJ. You want to trade for him. You could probably trade like – I wouldn't say you could trade low right now. You could trade like a – like a, a player that you start once every two weeks or so. So I think OBJ would be a good long-term play. He'll probably be playing I, I would say it would take him two weeks from when he signs. And there's a report going out now that he said he's going to take some time to decide uh, his next team. He said his, his decision is a few days away. So it is more of a long-term play. It's not really for just this week alone. So my decision for you guys that you should listen to is to pick up OBJ or trade for OBJ because he might not be rostered in your fantasy league so if he's not go ahead and pick up OBJ OBJ uh, I think that he and I'd put my money on him going to uh, a team that's known to win they're struggling a little bit right now they've got a new quarterback by the name of Mac Jones 
which we can relay into our next topic uh, with Mac Jones and what happened over the weekend. But I think that uh, I think OBJ goes and hangs out with Bill Belichick one time. I saw an interview uh, that went for about a minute 45 post game one time as his football team, the Browns, took on the Patriots, and he gave nothing but love and praise to Bill Belichick for over a minute 40 seconds. And it was unreal. He's like, yeah, we have mutual respect, this and that. You can't go wrong with Bill. He acknowledges my game. He says he's going to uh, limit my game, and he did. He said he does that every time. I have nothing but respect for Bill and arguably one of the best coaches in the NFL, and he's right. I think OBJ goes to the New England Patriots, and uh, and then you look at you know Bill Belichick postgame. He said, OBJ. Yeah, I really think that that would be a match made in hell because I don't think Mac Jones is any better than Baker Mayfield. He'll probably get maybe one or two more targets per game because the Patriots are a run-first offense and Mac Jones is a check-down Charlie. So I think OBJ will much rather go to the Chiefs or the Packers if I had to place money So this is a Deshaun Jackson-type situation where he just wants the ball. He could care less about winning because the Browns were a good football team. They still are, and they proved that they don't need them. They blew out their opponent. Uh, The Bengals, what, 46-16 to this week? Something like that? Yeah, but... If you think about it, OBJ really did win here. He forced his way out of a situation he didn't want to be in. He still gets paid by the Browns, and now he gets to go to an actual Super Bowl contender because I don't really think the the Browns are a top three team in the AFC. So I think OBJ made the right decision to have his dad release uh, that 13-minute video of Baker Mayfield missing him or just not throwing to him at all. Spence, i got to be up front with you. I feel like uh, us recording... Here at the house with the with the door closed behind us reminds me of our Cardboy 17 YouTube channel and uh, Dad's gonna come in and wiggle on the door here any moment. Oh, yeah. But uh, with that being said, my temptation, I guess you could say, my anxiety is rising as it's getting hot in here, and uh, I think it's it's time now that we give our hot takes. I know I kind of led into that a few moments ago, roughly 15, 20 minutes ago, right here on the Chris Mathis podcast. But it is time to mention our hot takes. My hot take, uh, coup. Calvin Ridley-less, Atlanta Falcon football team led by your guy, Matt Ryan, quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons. They'll go into Jerry's World this Sunday uh, at 1 p.m. and beat up on on Dak Prescott's uh, Dallas Cowboys. That is my hot take. I think the 4-4 Atlanta Falcons, a team that I absolutely despise, and you'll never see me root for in my entire life. I think that they go to Dallas and they beat up on the Cowboys, a 6-2 program or football team, I should say, as Dallas looked off last week, Dak Prescott did not look like he was in the right headspace. Dallas overlooked their opponent. Uh, he overthrew some passes. Uh, and, and in fact, in that game, Dallas had a great kickoff return, and then they faced a fourth down. Didn't convert on fourth down. Their first drive of the ball game, second drive of the ball game, they go for it on fourth down and two, and complete. Dak Prescott misses his guy. They gave up a lot of rushing yards and touchdowns to Melvin Gordon and co. there with the Denver Broncos. Uh, Bridgewater dissected that Dallas Cowboy defense led by Trayvon Diggs. And if you take away Micah Parsons, my rookie of the week, they were irrelevant. It would probably been, you know, tack on two more touchdowns for Denver. It was 16-0 late in the second quarter. I don't think that Dallas bounces back against Atlanta. I think Atlanta realizes that 
they have a shot after beating New Orleans yeah. last week to get second place and, and make a playoff run, which is unreal. I never would have thought that. I thought they were the scum of the NFC South. I thought that the Carolina Panthers would get third, Atlanta fourth, New Orleans second. I think that Atlanta has a shot to finish second. And this win on the road against the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry's team would be uh, a great way to get on the right track and to continue to feed off of last week's victory against the Saints on the road in New Orleans. Yeah, the Atlanta Falcons have got to be the number one team in the NFL right now at playing above their expectations, sitting at 4-4, four and four, defeating a Saints team that had a top three NFL defense. I mean, Matt Ryan had a great game, and they're sitting at 4-4 four and four halfway through the season, and they are, as of right now, in the playoff hunt. I think they're the sixth or they're the seventh seed in the NFC right now. So if the playoffs started today, they would be in it. But my hot take for this week is the Raiders are going to beat the Chiefs in their home stadium, also known as the Death Star. I've got the Raiders beating the Chiefs by over a touchdown at least. I mean, the Raiders seem to always beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs are just not the same team they were last season. And I think they really showed it last week against Jordan Love, only beating him by six points with two Mason Crosby missed field goals. I mean, I just think the Raiders are going to beat up on the Chiefs this Sunday. And the Chiefs' offense was non-existent. I think you tweeted out, Savage Spence 88, that Patrick Mahomes can't take a, a short pass. He can't take yeah, he what really, the defense he really gives can. him. He yes. really can't. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Dan Orvlosky, uh, the old Lions quarterback that stepped out of the end zone for a two-point, uh, for a safety, I think that he tweeted out that Patrick Mahomes has the worst mechanics of any starting quarterback in the NFL. And I would have to say I agree, maybe the only other one being Jordan Love. I, Patrick Mahomes has awful footwork in the pocket. He, he seems so uncomfortable, and the only time he ever makes a play is if he can outrun a slow defensive end, run around for a little bit, and throw it to Tyreek Hill down the field. I just I just don't think Patrick Mahomes is having a great season, and that was my, one of my first hot takes is that the Chiefs' dynasty is over, and here they are sitting at 5-4 and four at the moment, and I, don't, I think they're going to drop to 5-5 five and five against the Raiders, who have Derek Carr, quarterback, an MVP candidate as of right now. I'd say top six in the, in the MVP race. He's having a great season. And next year, Derek Carr is going to lead a better team than the Raiders. He's going to get paid off of this year. And this is a big game that NFL teams are going to look at next season in regards to if they want to sign Derek Carr as their next starting quarterback. And I think Derek Carr is going to come through and beat the Chiefs in their home Death Star Stadium. Yeah, that would be incredible. And I think there's a great shot if you if Patrick Mahomes continues to play at the rate of pace that he is playing at right now. The trajectory is not going uh, too far up whatsoever. It's kind of uh, you know climbed up a little bit off the ground, and you're looking at a flat streak now. As if you look at the numbers between Patrick Mahomes and Jordan Love last week, yeah, Jordan Love didn't play that great, but he was a rookie playing in one of the loudest stadiums in all of sports, not just football. Arrowhead Stadium. Jordan Love finished. 19 of 34, 190 pass yards, one touchdown, one pick, a fumble, of course. He didn't play great by any means, but we're not comparing a rookie quarterback in his first ever NFL start to a guy that's won the MVP, arguably the best quarterback, you know, week by week in certain situations, people are going to say he's the best quarterback. Patrick Mahomes finished 20 of 37, 166, one touchdown. That is uh, by no means a great stat. That's not even a starting quarterback in this league. That is a terrible line there. I mean, he, Patrick Mahomes is really hurting my fantasy team in the ESPN league. I thought he was going to have a decent season, but he's gone out there and he has had a couple of games where he's only thrown for less than 200 yards and a touchdown and a couple of interceptions. I mean, he's just not having the season I thought that he could have. 
Uh, maybe he'll turn it around in the second half, but I don't think they will. And Kelsey is tight end didn't help out either. He, he dropped a couple of passes, uh, should have had him. Uh, but overall, it's going to be interesting to see if Patrick Mahomes can get out of the slump. And I believe he tweeted or said to a reporter earlier something along the lines of, that this has been a challenge for him. He's learned a lot about himself. And you would hope so because he's finally facing adversity in his NFL career other than that Super Bowl last year against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That was expected from my point yeah. of view. And it, it's really well-deserved adversity because he puts ketchup on his steak. I mean, I don't think he deserves to be a successful NFL quarterback because he likes to put Heinz ketchup on his steak, which is just a stupid situation, a stupid decision, and it leads to his on-the-field play being affected by his steak sauce choice. I think it's just stupid. Heinz is giving us... Heinz wants to work a, a sponsorship deal with us here on the Chris Mathis podcast. I don't know. Yeah, we're going to decline on that. We don't I would really... put it on french fries. I'm not putting it on steak. There you go. So now Heinz will hang up on us. Uh, yeah. Now it's time for one of our big segments. It's really taken off for the last couple of weeks. I haven't hit a lot on them, but I'm still having fun picking them. It's our pick them up, pick them up the up. week right here on the Chris Mathis podcast. We start off with Thursday night football as the Baltimore Ravens, led by Lamar Jackson, go to Miami. They take on the Miami Dolphins, and uh, that's going to be a blowout game. I would venture to say I think the line was roughly uh, seven and a half points. Baltimore would win. They would improve to seven and two with a victory in this game on Thursday night. Uh, Miami two-win program. They're struggling this year, of course, but a little bit more than I expected. I thought Miami was going to be a little bit better than they were last year, and so far, no cigar. Yeah, I think that this game is going to be a little bit closer than you expect it to be. I mean, the Ravens have won a lot of close games this season and going against the Dolphins, maybe who have two, I don't know yet. He's been out for a couple of weeks, but I think this game will be within five, but I've got the Ravens winning it, of course, because the Dolphins are a pretty disappointing team this season. After last season, where they started off a top AFC team for the first half of the season and fell off like the Raiders did. So I've got the Ravens by five in this uh first game of week 10. The Washington football team has a big time matchup uh, this Sunday, one o'clock game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home. If you guys recall, the Washington football team almost, you know, led by Tyler or Taylor Heineke, uh, almost beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the wild card round yeah. of, the, of the playoffs. It was unreal. Of course, Tampa Bay without a couple of key pieces, uh, Devin White, the linebacker being one of them. But yeah, he was out oh, of that. I yeah, talking about this week. Yeah, yeah no, no. Yeah. He was out in that playoff game, and Taylor Heineke dominated the Buccaneer defense. He had a rushing touchdown, this and that, the third. This is going to be a big-time game for the Buccaneers to come out here and just uh, absolutely obliterate the Washington football team. The line has it at 9.5 points. Bucks are coming off of a bye week. Last year, they came off of a bye week and dominated their opponent. I'm going to go a 14-point-plus victory for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road against a Tyler or Taylor Heineke led Washington football team. Yeah, I've got the Buccaneers in this game as well, of course, but I just think it's not going to be a blow. I don't think the Bucs are going to win by a lot. We're without Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, and Rob Gronkowski. You're without a lot of key pieces. I don't think Carlton Davis is going to be back yet. I don't think Jason Pierre-Paul uh, Jason Pierre-Paul is going to be back yet. I think we're missing a lot of players that are very important to the Tampa Bay, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it's going to affect our play, and I think this will be a game within seven points. Hopefully the Bucs will win. I'm going to pick the Bucs to win, but I think it'll be a close game just because we're missing so many people, and we had to sign Brashad Perriman back to the team. Yeah. So this Godwin injury might be worse than we expect because of that signing. 
Yeah, good point. I thought it had to do with the Antonio Brown injury, but now with Godwin going down, it uh, also bodes well that uh, Chris Godwin's going to miss quite a bit of time. Now the Pittsburgh Steelers look to uh, continue to lay the wood on the Detroit Lions as Detroit 0-8 heads into Pittsburgh this weekend. They take on the 5-3 and Steelers, and uh, that line, nine-point favorite, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that this is a game in which the Detroit Lions... I think they have a shot to win this football game. I'm not saying that's a hot take. I like their head coach. He said from day one, we're going to chop and bite at your kneecaps or whatever it was. What Do you know the exact quote? Yeah, he said he was going to bite the uh, opposing players' kneecaps, and they, they have not done that this year. Even well, though they are the Lions, they've, they're still winless in week 10. They've so. got a shot this week. they got a very slow quarterback on the other side of the line of scrimmage by the name of Big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger. And yeah. uh, I think you could really show that he's not agile he's not able to evade sacks anymore he's not elusive and I think this is a game where they get in the quarterback's head I think it's going to be a lot closer than the nine point spread Uh, and I think that Detroit picks up their first victory of the season and now Big Ben had a throw that you wanted to reference here is our reference uh, video for Big Ben uh, and this throw is a bit underthrown as you can see here against the Chicago Bears, they squeaked out a victory. 14-6, they lead late in the third quarter. Big Ben moves up in the pocket, throws it down the field, and about four yards shy. Or No, he did complete it. He completed it. Uh, but what the announcer said was, was pretty awesome, and I agree with what the announcer said. Yeah, I mean, it was supposedly a deep shot by Big Ben with great accuracy, but the receiver had to probably run back 10 yards that we didn't get to see off the screen. It was a, It was an awful throw. It was completed somehow. It was a lot like Jordan Love's throw to Randall Cobb down the field. But I just don't think Big Ben has the arm talent, and his kneecaps are going to suffer this week because he has no mobility either. He's basically an old man in a retirement home who can't run around, and he's got a team that's going to bite his kneecaps uh, this Sunday, and it's going to be difficult for the, him to win. I think the Bears and the Lions are right there neck and neck, really, so I think the Lions will compete, but I think the Steelers uh, will ultimately win this game by five. Yeah, they're a good football team overall. If they had a better quarterback, they could be a serious contender for the AFC. With Big Ben at the helm, I I don't think so. I don't see it. New Orleans at Tennessee, that's a big matchup. That's a good game. Tennessee proved they're legit even without Derrick Henry uh, last week. And looking here at the line, New Orleans comes into the game. They're a three-point underdog in Nashville. I don't know. I think, well, you think about Derrick Henry being out. I think that's fair. I think I think that uh, Tennessee squeaks one out. They are the home team, but New Orleans went uh, needs this game bad. They really yeah, do. They do. They do. I, I've got I've got the Titans in this game myself, just because Trevor Simeon is the Saints' starting quarterback, and even if it were Taysom Hill, I don't think there'd be any difference there. Uh, I've got the Titans by over a touchdown in this game. Uh, Adrian Peterson should have a good game uh, against the Saints. They're going to be running the ball a lot, of course, so it's either going to be him or Jeremy McNichols having a big game. I've got AP going over 80 yards and a touchdown this week, so if you if he's not picked up in one of your fantasy leagues, maybe pick him up for this week. Jeremy McNichols and I, we go way back. He yeah. used to play for the Buccaneers. He was on the practice squad. I called him out one day for his effort in a oh, preseason yeah. game, and uh, he messaged me back. And it made me feel bad. He went back to my Instagram and liked every single one of my motivational posts on Instagram. <laughs> so I felt I felt bad. I still do. Shout out to Jeremy McNichols. He's doing a good job there in Tennessee, and hopefully he continues with that this week because I want New Orleans to lose this football game on the road. Atlanta at Dallas. You guys know how I feel about that. The Falcons will win, even though they are a nine-point underdog. How do you feel about that spread there, Spence? I think, it, I think it's rightfully so. I think it should be a little bit less. So I think the Cowboys should be favored by four and a half, maybe four. 
but I've got the Cowboys in this game. I, I think Atlanta's a, a decent team this year, and they're, they've been fun to watch, but their run game You're is right. not there really, and Cordero Patterson is basically just a receiver out there, and he's he's proven he's gonna he's having a great season, but they just cannot run the ball, and that's going to be difficult to beat the Cowboys if you have to throw the ball all the time against a guy who's there at the right time in the right place, Trayvon Diggs, who has seven interceptions through nine weeks of this season, eight games played, so... I've got the Cowboys in this game defeating the Atlanta Falcons by a touchdown. OBJ's future landing spot, the New England Patriots, they'll host the Cleveland Browns some way, somehow. The Patriots are a three-point favorite. I get they're the home team, but I think the Cleveland Browns are a much better team than New England. Granted, Mac Jones doesn't turn the ball over. He just uh, trips and breaks ankles. Yeah. Brian Burns of the Carolina Panthers witnessed that as he went to dive for a loose ball. And you see Mac Jones just... Grab, twist, alligator roll on Brian Burns' ankle. But either way, uh, I love the tenacity there from a rookie quarterback. Just totally disagree with the play and uh, with the action by Mac Jones. New England, a three-point favorite. I think Cleveland Browns come into town, and they beat the Patriots there in Foxborough. Yeah, I've got the Cleveland Browns in this game based off of just one thing, what Brian Burns said in one of his press conferences today. He says he wishes he could play Mac Jones again this season and that he wants the other defensive ends in the league to headhunt Mac Jones. So, Are you serious? Yeah. So he Miles, tweeted this on personal no, he, account? He, uh, he said this in a press conference. Oh, so, even better. I mean, Miles Garrett, who is a top two edge Vicious. rusher in the NFL, is going to absolutely destroy <laughs> Mac Jones this week in, uh, in vain of Brian Burns. I think this is going to be for Brian Burns' game. I think Miles Garrett's going to put up three sacks on Mac Jones, who's not the most mobile quarterback. So I've got the Patriots defeating... I mean, I've got the Browns defeating the Patriots by three points in this game based off solely Miles Garrett. Yeah, I hope that uh, Mac Jones says his prayers because if you guys recall, if you guys are just now hopping on the Chris Mathis podcast, uh, a few years back, Miles Garrett beat up Backup quarterback, starting quarterback. Yeah, Mason Rudolph. Yeah, Mason Rudolph Hit him in the, the head. Uh, Steelers. Hit him in the head with a helmet. That had to hurt. Yeah, that was cool. Now, the Buffalo Bills will travel to take on the New York Jets. The Bills a 12-point favorite. 12 points. I know the Jets are bad. The Bills are still a great team. They're they're going to you know eventually escalate, hit their peak. Is this that game in which you finally look at the Bills and think they're back to where we thought? Because coming into this season, I had the Bills and the Bucks and the Super Bowl, and as of right now, no matter what this spread says, uh, 12-point favorite over the Jets, the Bills do not look it by any means. So who do you have in this game? I got to go with the Bills, but not by 12 points. Okay. So I, I, I honestly do not know about this game. The Bills versus the Jets, the God himself, Mike White, is starting this White week. White Lightning. And he is an absolute stud. Last week he got hurt, and it ended up Proving to not be that big of a deal because Josh Johnson, the 35-year-old backup, came in there and played well, three touchdowns and 300 yards. But Mike White, just the ability that he has as a quarterback, the talent, the raw talent out of USF, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now, maybe of all time. And I've got Mike White in the Jets defeating the Buffalo Bills in a big AFC East rivalry uh, game. I've got I've got the Bills falling again, this time to the Jets. Wow. I mean, they lost to the Jaguars last week. and. I don't think the Jets are very far off from the Jaguars' talent, or even they might be even neck and neck here. So I've got the Jets defeating the Bills by three. Mike White going to have to get the job done. He's a very uh, renowned quarterback in the National Football League. In fact, he even has an episode 
on the Chris Mathis podcast named after his nickname, yeah. White Lightning, which is huge. Now the Jaguars, they're coming off of a 9-6 to victory over the Bills. They'll take on the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts, a 10.5-point favorite. You think uh, Urban Meyer picks up his third NFL win? I don't think so. I think that they compete. I don't see Urban Meyer picking up his third career NFL victory on the road against a uh, Carson Wentz-led football team. I know he has bad ankles, but I think he still gets the job done. They have a great running back in Jonathan Taylor, great receiver in Pittman too. Yeah, I've got the Colts in this game as well. I mean, Carson Wentz is having a pretty sneaky good season. 17 touchdowns, two interceptions, over 2,000 yards passing. And I've got the Colts in this game over the Jacksonville Jaguars, even though they're led by the God himself, Urban Meyer, one of the greatest coaches that this league will ever see, at least one of the most electric coaches off the field that we'll see. But I've got the Indianapolis Colts in this game by the spread. I've got them winning by over 10.5 in this game. Even though the Jaguars just defeated the Bills by a score of 6-9, to nine, I think that's one of the greatest scores in NFL history led by an awesome coach in Urban Meyer, but this week they're going to fall to the Colts and Carson Wentz with his bad ankles, who's having a pretty great season this year. Now, the Los Angeles Chargers, they'll, uh, they'll host the Minnesota Vikings. Three and five Vikings hit the road to take on a five and three Chargers football team. Chargers favored by three. I've got Minnesota coming into town and, and, and shocking uh, Justin Herbert and co. Justin Herbert's having a good statistical season once again, but the Chargers are nowhere near what they were last year at this time, in my opinion. Now, granted, it's still somewhat early. You're midway through the season. There's still time to fix some things, but I don't think the Chargers are a legit contender, and I think Minnesota comes in here. They pick up their fourth win of the year. Yeah, I think this should be a good game as well. I mean, the Vikings gave the Ravens a run for their money last week. Kirk Cousins having a great season, but I've got the Chargers in this game. Uh, Justin Herbert, the introvert himself, is going to go out there and defeat the Vikings uh, by three-plus if I were to place money on this game. I just think that the Chargers are a better overall team than the Vikings. The Vikings do play close games. I think this game will be close, probably each team scoring over 30 points because the defenses really aren't there for either team. But both teams are led by top 15 quarterbacks in the NFL at the moment. So I've got, But I've got Justin Herbert a little bit better than Kirk Cousins, and I think that will be how this game ends up. The Los Angeles Chargers are going to defeat the Minnesota Vikings by at least three. Colt McCoy's Arizona Cardinals, they look to go 9-1 and one this Sunday as they host the Carolina Panthers in a 4 o'clock slated football game. Carolina is practically done for. Uh, it's CMC or bust right now. You have to give the ball to Christian McCaffrey. That was truly the only time where they moved the ball down the field last week. And they only gave him the ball a couple of times, you know, a lot less. I know he's coming off of an, off an injury, but you still have to feed him like he's the workhorse. The Arizona Cardinals will win this game at home and pick up their ninth win of the year. They are a uh, 10.5 point favorite, even with Colt McCoy, former Texas quarterback. I feel like we're back in 2008 or 9, yeah. uh, who dominated the NCAA back in the day. He had a great week, 22 of 26 last week, 249, one touchdown, a pick. He is playing against a great Carolina defense, however. Lord have mercy, I'm about to bust. But I've got the Arizona Cardinals in this game regardless. It's either Colt McCoy, Kyler Murray's return to practice. So either one of those guys are going to defeat P.J. Walker and the Panthers. Even though the Panthers' defense is pretty good, like you said. They lost last week to the Patriots solely off of Sam Darnold, who threw three interceptions. But P.J. Walker should protect the ball a little bit more, but he's not going to be able to push the ball down the field at all. And I've got the Cardinals regardless of who they have at quarterback this week. Uh, just because the Panthers are just... It seems like they're dead to right right now in the NFL, in the NFC South, 
as a whole. I think they're in, they're going to end up in fourth place. Talking about fourth place, you led me to this next one pretty easily. The fourth place AFC West Denver Broncos, five and four. They'll host the second place NFC East Philadelphia Eagles. Denver coming off of a huge win on the road uh, in Arlington against the Dallas Cowboys, a blowout victory. Uh, and Philadelphia comes into this game. They are a underdog, a three-point underdog. Ah, I think that Denver is riding too high right now. I think they come back down to reality after starting off the year 3-0. and I think they go back to the losing ways. I think Philadelphia comes into Denver this weekend uh, that 425 football game on Sunday, and Philadelphia wins. Well, the Eagles are a lot like the Vikings. I mean, a lot of their games are close, but they do not seem to ever squeak out the victory. They're 3-6 and six on the season, and they're going against Teddy Two Gloves, who has 14 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, over 2,000 yards, a passer rating of 101+. So I think the Broncos are going to be able to win this game based solely off of Teddy Two Gloves not turning the ball over because you're facing Jalen Hurts on the other side who isn't a top 15 quarterback. Neither is Teddy Bridgewater, but I think Bridgewater edges out uh, Jalen Hurts in the quarterback competition area in this game, and I think that is going to be the uh, deciding factor in this game. The Broncos will defeat the Eagles. I think it'll be a close game, probably within three points, but I've got the Broncos defeating the Eagles. Yeah, that's perfect. That's the spread, three points, Denver. Seattle Seahawks, they come off of a bye week. They'll play the Green Bay Packers. And Green Bay at Lambeau Field, uh, Seattle, a three-and-a-half-point underdog. I think Jordan Love is still quarter... No, no, Aaron Rodgers... Wait, actually, it could still be Jordan Love. I think Aaron Rodgers has to clear protocol this Saturday. And he said on the Pat McAfee show Roger. this week uh, that he may not be ready physically to play on Sunday. So he said there is a chance at that. So Jordan Love could be the quarterback. Luckily, the Seahawks are a worse team than the Chiefs, so... Either way, I have the Packers winning this game. Uh, Russell Wilson may return, though. So if Rodgers plays Wilson, both returning in the same week, I think that'd be a great game. I think it'll be close, but I've got the Packers winning regardless just because they're a better team overall than the Seattle Seahawks. But this is a team. This is a game between two teams who both want Odell Beckham Jr., and only one of them is going to get him, and I think it's going to be the Packers. He won't be playing this week regardless but I think the Packers are going to win this game if Rodgers is starting, even though Russell Wilson's on the other side. Yeah, and I think that uh, Green Bay has to win this football game at home. Uh, and I think Jordan Love gets it done. I really do. I'm going to pick up my hot take from last week and translate it to this week because the only way that Aaron Rodgers would be physically ready to go is if Green Bay held practice on Saturday, which they could do that. I doubt it, however. Now the Kansas City Chiefs will play at Las Vegas. They'll take on the Raiders. The Chiefs a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I think you related uh, earlier that uh, the Raiders would beat the Chiefs at home. I think that the Raiders do prevail in this one. Two-and-a-half-point favorite. I think the Raiders win by eight, maybe ten points. Yeah, the Raiders seem to have the Chiefs' numbers over the last couple of years, and I've got the Raiders in this game. Even though the Raiders aren't I would say maybe neck and neck with the Chiefs in terms of overall team. I think Derek Carr's having a better season than Patrick Mahomes so far. And like I've said in all these other matchups, a quarterback plays a big role into the game. The Chiefs are returning Clyde Edwards-Alaire this week, but I think he might be a step down from Williams. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is having an awful season before he went down with the injury. A lot of fumbles on the season, and Williams was carrying the workload pretty well, but... I've got the Raiders in this game defeating the Chiefs by three in the Death Star in Vegas. Uh, I just think that the Raiders have the Chiefs numbers, like I said, and the Raiders are going to win this one by three based off solely Derek Carr and his performance 
that he's going to put up this week over 300 yards. And we'll cancel, or we're not going to cancel. We're not with the cancel culture right now. We will, however, uh, close out our NFL pick em of the week with the same game that you guys as fans will close out too, and that's Monday Night Football. The Los Angeles Rams take on the San Francisco 49ers. The Rams 7-2. and uh, They're coming off a tough game. Who'd they fall short to last week? Rams did fall short. Rams fell short to the Titans uh, in Los Angeles, which yeah. is a bit of a shocker. But either way, the Rams will play in San Francisco uh, this week. Not in San Francisco, Santa Clara. Uh, but San Francisco 3-5, and five, Rams 7-2. and two. Stafford comes in. He's chasing after that MVP title. And Jimmy Garoppolo continues to show his struggles and uh, that he is not a Tom Brady successful predecessor with the San Francisco 49ers. The Rams, a four-point favorite. I'm going to double up on that. I think eight-point, double up or bust, eight-point favorite uh, for the Rams. I think the Rams win this game, we'll say 34, if that's possible. We'll say 31, 31, 31-23. Yeah, that is possible. 31-23, the Rams prevail on the road against the San Francisco 49ers in our last game of the week, Monday Night Football. Yeah, if I had to have a lock for the week of who I think is going to win, that I had to lock in life on the line, it would be this game. I've got the Rams defeating the 49ers. I mean, they're going to want to come out and play to their potential after losing to a team that I don't think is as good as them, the Tennessee Titans, who didn't have Derrick Henry and they still lost because Stafford made some bad decisions. This week, he's going to have a good he's going to have a good game against the 49ers, who are three and five on the season so far. They have really not played up to their potential at all. I mean, Kyle Shanahan is being ridiculed right now in the NFL for not being a great head coach. He's had two bad seasons in a row uh, halfway through this season, and they are not showing any signs of improvement with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. Trey Lance was quarterback too, and you really didn't hear anything about him. I mean, it was one of the most... uh, It wasn't really a big debut for Trey Lance. I, I don't think anyone talked about it very much because he didn't have a good game, and... I just don't think that the 49ers are a good team this year. On paper, they should be a great team. They should be in the NFC. They should be in the playoffs of some sort in the NFC, but instead they're in the cellar of their division, which is a pretty good division with the Seahawks and Cardinals also in that same division and the Rams. So another divisional matchup, but I've got the Rams in this game probably by 10 over the 49ers. I don't care where it's played. The Rams are going to destroy the 49ers. Yeah, 49ers with a terrible selection in the draft, taking Trey Lance. If you're not going to let him compete for the starting job with a yeah. terrible... Yeah, yeah. at if least let him compete. If he can't win a, a battle against Jimmy Garoppolo, who I think they were looking at letting go before the season they even were. started. Tom Brady was... I, just, I don't understand why Trey Lance isn't there as a starter already just to get him ready for next season because Garoppolo is going to take you nowhere. Without question. Now we'll cap off the night here. Thank you, you guys, for joining us on the Chris Mathis Podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the whole nine yards. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, TCM underscore pod, as uh, we're going to be posting some audio clips, some video clips, I need to say, wow. of this evening's podcast on TCM underscore pod. And glad that you guys have joined us here for another edition of the Chris Mathis Podcast. Leaving the pod.